0: hello and welcome back uh to the brandon and daryl experience or bd for short i'm daryl and i'm brandon and today uh as mentioned before we're gonna be talking about um the movies we've seen this year so as you guys know hiatus took a long break a lot of shit has happened. Um but as well as a lot of shit happening, we've also seen a lot of movies this year. So uh we decided to just kind of go through all the different ones we wanted to bring up, wanted to mention and just talk a little bit about like what we've been seeing this year. Uh and yeah. So um I guess we can kind of just jump right into it. Um so Brandon, you want to kick it off? Yeah. And to kick it off,
1: I think at the top of our list, we have The Batman, starring Robert Pattinson. Um, let me just lead off by saying, personally, my, I wouldn't say my favorite iteration of Batman, but definitely more preferred over um, the last one of Christian Bale. I And I mean that in terms of just the Batman aspect, not necessarily Bruce Wayne. Still kind of going back and forth on that, but um, in terms of Batmans, I just I don't like the grovely voice. I thought it was really it just kind of subtracts from the overall, like movie itself. So that always turned me off. But like for the Batman with Robert Pattinson, um, great, ac- uh, great crime drama. As so like if you like your like Law and Order, um, SVU. If you like your uh, Criminal Minds. If you like CSI. That kind of shows you're gonna like this movie. Um, and I th- that's why I thoroughly enjoyed it. It's just like that that crime drama-esque, um, like, back and forth, where there's, like, um, you go to a place, you interview some people, and they're, like, not giving you the information to go away, there's broody Bruce Wayne just looking at all the clues, like, what are, what are the clues, and then he, like, (laughs) goes back again, he's like, all right, you're not telling me enough, uh, give me some more, and then there's, like, awesome, there's an awesome action sequence, a single one in particular that we can get into later if you want to, um, not sure, are we doing spoilers, spoiler free?
0: Uh yeah, that's just a top. So like, I I think we should just might as well just spoil. So there's gonna be spoilers for all the movies we bring up. Uh, so yeah, we could definitely like do like a quick overview and then just like get into spoilers. But if you're jumping into spoilers for Batman, then spoiler alert: if you haven't seen the movie yet. Okay, so yeah,
1: spoiler alert: uh, the best action scene, definitely the car chase with the penguin. Um, Mm. also, Oscar-worthy performance from uh Colin Farrell. He did great as the penguin. (laughs) Um, he's probably the highlight of the movie, if anything. Um, and then I think we're both going to say this. It def- I guess it was on the longer side. Um, I personally don't care about movie lengths being long. Like, this was, like, what, a two thirty two forty 2.40 run time?
0: This was three hours. Three?
1: It was three hours? Oh.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was, like, two. It was, like, probably, like, 2.57, 58, but okay. three hours. Oh, yeah,
1: I got you. Um, Yeah, you could feel the time, but I definitely didn't, I I wasn't too bothered by it, but Mm -hmm. probably the only negative I had about the movie, that and like, yeah, that's about it. I, I, I like the usage of their, um, the new... They're doing like some new technology. What's it called? Where it's like they're in a box essentially, and it's like they they use like a, a pre-rendered 3D model. Like there's some shots in the movie that they look like they're lo- overlooking like s- the skyline of Gotham was actually yeah. just like a model, like a 3D rendered model. And I think they did for like some of the motorcycle scenes too, where they're just like driving yeah. through. I, I like that. I think if we if more movies use that, gonna, it looks pretty nice now. I can't wait to see what it looks like in the future. But uh, yeah, those are my initial thoughts, and then we can discuss a little bit more. Yeah, Damn. I think
0: um I definitely agree with pretty much most of what you said. I I think the Batman I thought it was really well made, very um interesting like crime, mystery, drama, thriller, I guess. Um a lot of fincher in this movie. Um a lot of like um I guess like references to like things like 7 or Zodiac. Um, it was very interesting. A lot of great performances. I thought Robert Pattinson was great. I think I probably like his Batman more than Christian Bales. Um, I do think Colin Farrell is really great in the movie. I think that he's literally unrecognizable. I don't know how they pulled that off with the makeup. Um, cinematography is, was immaculate. It's shot by Greg Fraser, who also shot um, fav- a favorite of mine, a movie that you did not like, which is Dune. Um, (laughs) uh, it is a very um, it's very well made from beginning to end from top to bottom it's a very well made film love the score from Michael Giacchino Um, just fantastic film I think my only my main gripe with it is that it's three hours and I think that like we can get into this a little bit more because there are other movies on this list that this will be something I bring up but I do think that any movie that is uh, three hours or longer needs to be cut down I just think that, like, I don't know if any story needs to be told over the course of three hours. I think um, there's very, very few films that I think really deserve that type of runtime. Um, Like, I could talk about, like, maybe some war movies. Schindler's List, I would say, like, deserves that runtime. Um, Maybe some classic films uh, deserve it. But for the most part, I just don't really think that... I don't think we need a three-hour superhero movie. I don't think we need a three-hour thriller. I just think that 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 type of runtime is not necessary. Um, and especially with a movie like this, where there were times in which I felt like there were things that were happening that were very repetitive. Um, we may get into detail about this, but like one detail in the film is, it involves like a club and there's like a thing where it's like, Oh, he goes to the club and then he meets these people. And then, and then afterwards somebody tells him like, Oh, you went to the club, but you didn't go to the club within the club. So we had to go back to the club and then we're at, and then we're out of the club and then we had to go back to the club. And it's like, okay, this is a lot. Um, yeah, but that's, a, so, that's
1: the the crime mystery, like the detective aspect of it all. Like you don't get all the information well, at once.
0: Well, true, but I think that like I think after a while it just becomes very, very. I don't want to say stale, but just it just it, it it becomes just too much after a while for me at least. Mm, okay. um, uh Especially from a story perspective, it's like how many times do we need to keep going to this thing? Um, and I think that the that I would have appreciated the mystery being a little bit more complicated. I think. I think it's a very simple, uh, I think the whole plot of the movie is very, very simple, but it's told in a way that makes it a little bit more complex. I think it's just like, and I don't know. I think that like, there are things about it that I really appreciate, but I think that it could have been a better movie, but as is, it's still good. It's kind of one of those things.
1: Yeah, I think like from an audience perspective, knowing like basically who the Riddler was immediately kind of like... Mm -hmm. I don't know it doesn't keep you on your f- like your feet and it's just yeah. like it's almost like someone like opened your Christmas present for you and you already know what you're <laughs> getting and they're just like but yeah. wait till Christmas to actually use the toy it's like uh uh-uh, but I know what it is it's like yeah but you still gotta <laughs> wait you gotta wait for for Batman to figure out who the Riddler is it's like <laughs> but why <laughs> so yeah and then like that little like Joker like hint I-, I think that I I didn't care for that like they're trying to like lead to a sequel I don't really care for what they're trying to do with the Joker, where he's like actually, yeah, like maniacally in, or clinically insane. Like I, I don't really like the look either, but we'll see if they make a sequel movie. But the, overall, yeah, it's 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 a pretty like it's it's a decent movie. Like you're gonna be you're you'll be happy with it if you liked the other Batman movies.
0: Yeah, and like I don't want to throw out like the fact that like as far as superhero movies go, it's very rare that we get. Um, a superhero movie that does have a lot going on from a crafts perspective. Uh, You brought up the VFX. I think the special effects across the board are so well done. Um, I think that, like, Gotham... In this movie, Gotham really did feel like its own city as opposed Mm -hmm. to, like, the Nolan films, which I do love those movies. Uh, You can really tell that, like, okay, this was shot in Chicago. This was shot in New York. This was shot wherever. Like, you can really tell that it's like, oh, we're shooting this in various places. Pittsburgh. But, Mm -hmm. like... Um, this in this movie, Gotham really did feel like its own distinct place, um, and I really appreciated that. And that, that's something I will always appreciate if if a movie can pull that off. And so I really do hope to see more uh, movies, but more specifically this genre of film. I really hope to see more, uh, I guess, risks being taken in the future. Um, but I think this is a great step forward as far as that's concerned. So, yeah. Yes. Uh okay yeah I mean I don't have much else to add about the Batman personally um,
1: one one last thing which I think will help transition us to our next movie actually um oh. vi- visual effects like you mentioned but the practical effects being again Colin Farrell okay yes. if they don't get if they don't like give the him makeup. an like an Oscar for like supporting actor at least give it to the makeup artist like my God like like you said before he's unrecognizable yeah. as. As the penguin, like they didn't, yeah. he didn't like gain any weight. He didn't do anything. They literally just put on a fat suit, and like they they did him up to make him look like a completely different person, and like he really sold the performance. But uh, which leads me to the next movie being Men, which oh, God. for yep. <laughs> in terms of makeup <laughs> that- artists. They weren't trying to convince us it was another person, but definitely not it's not gonna be nominated for the Oscars for best makeup or visual effects uh, or whatever. Not at all. No. I but.
0: think I think as far as Colin Farrell's concerned, I think his performance is gonna be fed into other performances because he does have other movies coming out this year. Mm-hmm. But the makeup in Batman I think will definitely get some attention um men is not going to receive any attention uh not that it's a bad movie it's actually a very good movie um but like oh, i'm still uh, deciding
1: I'm, I'm still deciding whether i like it or not
0: <laughs> oh, oh i i came down on on i think it's a good movie okay, okay um so this is a smaller film so i guess to explain um so men is a movie that came out i believe may oh well may may 20th mm-hmm. i think something like that uh and it's about uh a young woman who uh who just recently became a widow, she goes on a vacation in the countryside in England, and uh, she is staying in this house. She meets all these different men, and the the thing about the movie is that all the men in the film are played by the same actor, uh, Rory Kinnear. Uh, the woman's played by Jesse Buckley. Um, and so as the film goes on, it becomes more and more surreal, and it becomes a movie about her basically i guess slowly being over the course of the film she is like being harassed by these men um being uh, undermined uh disrespected and as the film goes on it becomes kind of a weird not cosmic horror but it becomes a, it's a horror film uh, biblical yeah there's a lot of biblical uh, the- theolo- theological is, yeah this is a very hard film to describe um because even coming out of it I don't know how exactly to describe this film in a way that would make sense to anybody walking into it
1: it's definitely a movie that you have to just
0: watch to yeah
1: to I I wouldn't even say understand because like you said like I came out of that not knowing what I just watched like you're like what what's the message I was trying to get out of this what were they trying to say and like yeah I mean I think it boils down to is like oh men are like not like there are. it it, it deals with the ideal, the idealism of like, um, masculinity and like what it means to be a man and how that affects women. Um, I think that's the overarching message or at least tries to have that narrative, but obviously there are a lot of more subtleties to it. There's a lot more, um, motifs. There's a bunch of stuff that just like flies over your head or like you see it and you're like, okay, but how does that, how does that connect to my perception of, what you're trying to say and then like yeah. I think it just completely blows it out of the water where you're just like, I don't I don't know how to feel. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and I definitely think that this is a movie that maybe deserves more time to be talked about and like broken down. But I think so uh, this was this was a film that was written and directed by Alice Garland, who uh very well known filmmaker. He uh directed Ex Machina as well as the film Annihilation, the T V show uh uh oh shoot, why am I forgetting the name of the T V show? uh my apologies it was a tv show that was on fx i'm forgetting the name but if it comes to me i will shout it out uh as well as writing a few films that were directed by danny boyle so that being like uh 28 weeks later or 28 28 days later rather um the the beach a plethora of of different films um and so this movie uh i think is his least accessible i would argue I think Ex Machina and Annihilation are both films that have something to grab onto. I think Annihilation is very much a cosmic horror that, even though it may become very complicated in the third act, is a film that you could still kind of grab onto as far as characters and events are concerned. I think Ex Machina is more of a more of a heady movie, but it's still one that you can like understand the characters, understanding motivations, understanding what's going on as far as that's concerned. In this movie, you're not entirely sure that there are any motivations to anything that's happening. Um, Things are kind of just, like, showing up and happening, and you're just actively confused. At least I was, for a large portion of the movie. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, And I think that, like, getting into spoilers, where we get into, like, more detail... The movie takes a very, very dreamlike approach in the way that it tells its story. Um, If I had to say what the movie was about, I guess it's about, like masculinity and specifically toxic masculinity and how that is passed down over time through like generations mm-hmm. but there are things like in the movie like um so rory kinnear playing all the different characters he also plays a child in this movie he plays uh, um a vicar in this movie he plays a uh a barkeep he plays the airbnb host he's he's playing all these different types of men but all of them are taking a different are basically acting as a stand-in for a different type of man, and how their masculinity, uh, in effect, is toxic to, uh, to the main character, to Jesse Buckley's character. And watching scenes like the vicar basically um, ask uh, Jesse Buckley if it's her fault that her husband died, <laughs> like, like things like like that. Things like a child calling her a bitch for not wanting to play hide and seek or some bullshit. Mm-hmm. Like, a lot of, like, random shit just happens in this movie. And it, it's very hard to grab onto because you're just like, what the fuck is going on?
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. And then, on top of all of that, when you get to the the finale, per se, and it's like... Or I should say, like, the... the um, I, Yeah, I guess it is the finale. But, like, the end scene where basically... Uh, the the airbnb host um becomes like basically merges all aspects of himself and these characters like the child the vicar the barkeep and they manifest into the, basically the man um as like the villain of it all um yeah. and then basically becoming almost like a a uh, oh, what's it called like a slasher film at the very end and it's like just crazy off the walls but then it it really takes a turn because then it gets to another message, which kind of becomes almost a literal manifestation of the generational, um, hurt trauma of men being the birthing scenes of the, uh, basically, um, what's it called? Those Russian dolls where they yeah. just keep popping out one of another and it just keeps happening. And we're all just like, what is this? What <laughs> is happening? Um, but then it all leads up to her recently deceased husband coming out, sitting on the couch, all bloody um, from being birthed, um, and it's like, oh, I see now, this is where we're going, and it's like, um, I don't know, it, it's the movie. Yeah, I think I'm leaning more towards like, yes, I like this movie, and I like like how creative and out there it is um but like you said accessibility definitely not not a movie you can easily recommend to someone where it's like okay yeah. like it's it's good but like wait
0: yeah I that, <laughs> it's yeah it's not the type of movie that I, there's a very particular type of person I would ever recommend this movie to and i think that like this movie might be like mother for me where, uh, and Mother being the Darren Aronofsky film from 2017 starring Jennifer Lawrence, it might be like that for me, because I think that, like, not that Mother is that complicated. I think Mother is actually pretty straightforward if you really think about it. But um, I think that, like, in the sense that, like, so much stuff happens over the course of the movie, and to a lot of people it can definitely be offensive and over-the-top, uh, campy to some extent. It could be very, um, very horrific. Um, but in the case of men, I think... The point that's being made, I think is very, very interesting. I just think that the the way it goes about it is just not something I was expecting because especially based on the marketing alone, the movie was very specifically marketed as just like a an a twenty four horror film so like I'm expecting something along of like a a hereditary oh, or yeah. a midsummer but instead oh, I, was, I got
1: I wasn't even expecting that I was expecting like almost like subtlety where it's like. We're expecting something bigger, but it ends up being something so like on the nose that it's like, oh nice. Yeah. Like I like that. But no, it is an eight twenty four horror film. Yeah, exactly. And it's just like off the walls.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, it, I don't know what exactly I I wanted necessarily. I definitely got something different. Oh yeah, for, for sure. sure. Um and I think I think the, the other part of it is the Alex Garland of it all because I do I am a fan of Alex Garland. Um, I'm still trying to think of the name of the TV show, but I did watch it and it was very, Devs. The show was called Devs. There we go. It was a very good show and it was a very interesting, like, science fiction show. Um, and then watching something like, uh, Annihilation, I guess based on the imagery that I was seeing in the trailer, I would guess I was expecting something more in line with Annihilation. Um, something that was like, yes, it was very weird, very, um, but also something that was very, like, straightforward in terms of, like, what the story and motivations were. Yes. But in this movie, it's very much just lady goes to an Airbnb and shit starts happening. Weird <laughs> shit. Um, yeah, very strange shit. And the birthing scene that you're talking about, um, and I guess for better clarity, the scene is crazy. I am shocked that I saw that in a theater, to be honest. <laughs> but um, basically, it, it, so you talked about like the Russian dolls, but it's, it's, it's even more wild than that. Essentially, Imagine watching a man uh, give birth to another fully grown man. And then imagine that happening like five times. And then imagine it happening not in the same spot, but in different parts of the body. Like at one, po- at one point, he give- he gives birth out of his ass. And then the next minute, he's giving birth out of his back.
1: Yep. I think and then he, his mouth.
0: Out of his mouth. Uh. It, it, I think one it, just split in half, like something like Yeah, one, one, I think, I think just came out of the stomach, honestly. I think one yeah. of them did that. Like, it happens like five times uh, until we see the husband. And and we didn't really talk about that part of the story. We, we learned that the husband, um, well, it's, it's ambiguous on whether or not he committed suicide or if he fell. But there, um, him and Jesse Buckley had a huge fight that ended in him slapping Jesse Buckley. She kicks him out and then, uh, The way she tells it, he had gone to uh, the flat of a neighbor upstairs and was trying to climb down to their apartment onto the balcony, but she doesn't know if he had slipped and fell or if he committed suicide. And um, and especially is ambiguous because there's a scene where she threatens to leave him and he threatens to commit suicide to make her feel bad. So we don't know what which it is that happened but we see him he falls he dies we see the way that his body is mangled on the ground when he fought when he died um and over the course of the movie slowly the bits and pieces of like her husband start to come through these characters where like um a character's arm is cut in the same way that the mangled body of her dead husband was in in the film and Mm -hmm. and we see the ways in which these people start to become... Go from being, like, seven different people to being one person. Um, it's wild. <laughs> it's 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 quite insane.
1: Yeah, and um, the only... The one thing that actually makes the, the least amount of sense in my head is at the very end when her friend finally shows up. <laughs> like, why did it take her so long? Did any of this really happen? Like, well, that... Like, That's
0: the question I was left with as well. Yeah, I I don't know if if that was supposed to be because to, in, to some extent, her friend showing up kind of confirms the events of the movie because mm-hmm. like you could kind of chalk up the whole t- the whole entire movie if that wasn't there you could probably chalk it up to like oh this is all happening in her head, but we do see like certain things like damage on the property that would suggest that this stuff actually did happen. Yeah, but, but it was all damage. It, it was all that.
1: damage that she caused. I'm pretty sure.
0: Which yes, but it still. Uh, begs the question of like how did she why did she cause that damage why is she still covered in like again i think i could be wrong but i think that she still had like blood on her
1: possibly yeah
0: like there's like a lot of details that would suggest that this stuff actually happened and if and if it if she did all that stuff then like how why did that occur becomes the question so it, it it leaves it very ambiguous but in a way that kind of leans more towards one answer than the other but it's still it's still kind of vague and kind of unclear yeah but yeah and uh, this is definitely a movie that would that would deserve its own analysis but sorry go ahead oh no for
1: sure no i was just gonna lead us into the next topic being uh so yeah. her friend was also pregnant oh, with yeah. what a baby and what's it yeah. what's what's the connection i'm trying to make there's also a baby in the next movie who grew up uh he's baby goose Ha! Uh, top, top gun maverick <laughs>
0: I thought you are gonna get into the thing because you had a theory in, in men that like, oh, she cheated. She she was sleeping with her husband. I
1: mean it's it's a re- it's a reasonable theory, like why she didn't show up in time, and like she's just dealing with the grief, and like maybe she kind of like kind of realized it all at the end of it, and like it's, I, I it, it was a wild theory, but it's it's something that's like <laughs> worth thinking about, just like. Oh, we didn't. We never knew she was pregnant, like at all, during the whole movie. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, she shows up, and she happens to be pregnant, which also corresponds with like the whole birthing scene, being her husband.
0: That's a fair point. I, I kind of lean more towards like the idea that like there's like hope there, the idea that maybe these women will be able to break the the cycle of toxic masculinity. Um, um, but it could also, but it could also be. Because I guess, like, mine's more of a, more of, like, a metaphorical, like, ooh, maybe, but yours is more of, like, a literal, like, she's fucking her husband. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know. It could be either or. I, 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 I don't yeah. know.
1: Yeah, I mean, it could also be how, the, the, like, um the fear of it being another man. Like, she's pregnant, but it's like, ooh, oh, is that going to result in another one of my husbands?
0: <laughs> could you imagine if, like... If we got to see, like, a few more seconds. we Because at the end of the movie, we see Jesse Buckley sitting on the stairs. And sorry, we're going to get to the next film in just a second. But when she's sitting on the stairs, and she looks at her and she smiles. Would you imagine if instead of her smiling, she just has, like, a look of horror on her face? And is just like, no! Get that away from me!
1: (laughs) Get out of here! (laughs) We're going to a clinic now! (laughs) But it's a girl. I don't care anymore. We don't know for sure.
0: We don't know for sure. We'll never know. We'll never know. Oh, gosh. Okay, yeah. So, men. um, Weird one, but I liked it. I don't know. Overall, I guess I liked it. So, yeah. I guess uh, with Baby Goose, we're getting into Top Gun Maverick. Okay, sorry about that. Technical difficulties. Uh, uh, We had a quick issue with our uh, communications. Um, But, uh, yeah. Now we're going to talk about Top Gun. uh, Because apparently... I don't know. Because Miles okay, Teller is time. hot, apparently.
1: <laughs> that shimmy was all that we needed <laughs> in 2022.
0: I find it very hilarious that that just, like, happened out of nowhere. Because, like, back, like, how many years ago was, like, Whiplash? Uh, no one was talking about Miles Teller like that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and they're like, wow, Oscar-worthy performance? Who cares? Wait, he's a, <laughs> he a six-pack now? I'm all in. And a mustache? Exactly. Even better.
0: <laughs> uh uh, but yeah, Top Gun. So I we did not see this movie together. Did you get a chance to? see I've it?
1: never seen it. I haven't even seen the first one.
0: <laughs> oh, okay. Um, so I guess real. We'll, so I just saw the first one for the first time. Like, I want to say like two weeks before Top Gun Maverick came out. Um, I so okay. I can understand how people are very nostalgic for that film, especially concerning that like it was the eighties. Um, at this point now, I guess eighties culture is like the the main thing now with like things like Stranger Things and. Uh, a whole plethora of different media um, and like now uh, people who came of age in the 80s they're very much like adult they're very much like kind of like the leaders in various spaces uh, in media especially like um, now they're like 40s, 50s you know um, now with that being said uh, the first top gun that movie is nearly incomprehensible I don't I, I, I don't understand. It's, I, I don't know if I would It was entertaining, but like, is it good? <laughs> I don't know, actually I don't know if it's a good movie um, It's a lot of just, like, shit happening Like, it's, it's, it's uh, And, uh, I maybe I should give it a rewatch, I don't know But it's like, oh, you guys are dangerous But we are gonna send you to Top Gun And it's like, uh, oh, okay So Top Gun is like it's like a fighter pilot school. It's like a very very Mm. prestigious fighter pilot school. Essentially, they go there, but on like the first day, Tom Cruise is like hanging out at a bar and he meets uh McGillis Kelly McGillis and Kelly McGillis uh she's like flirting with they're like flirting with one another or whatever. But like she turns him down and then later the next day we find out that she's his his teacher. Oh, at Top Gun. And then they start fucking. They're like, they get together in the movie. So I'm like, that's not ethical. And then... (laughs) Well, at least he's
1: passing with flying colors.
0: (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) But then, like... But then, like, there's a whole thing about, like, Goose. So Goose is, like, Tom Cruise's best friend. This movie is extremely homoerotic, by the no, way. No, There's a lot of, that's like... That's the only
1: thing I know about this movie, uh, because of Quentin <laughs> Tarantino's breakdown, where he's like, oh, yeah, they're all gay. And that, like, um, Tom Cruise only likes um, Kelly McGinnis' character more after she, co- like, becomes more butch. And <laughs> it's like, oh.
0: It's, it's really funny, because, like, the movie... And that's hilarious. I actually didn't hear that thing, but that's No, hilarious. I can send. It, I can but, send
1: you it later. It's actually really funny. Uh,
0: okay, I need. I need to see that. But like in the movie, there's like a lot of scenes of like them hanging out in their towels in a locker room, them playing volleyball, and it's like, it's just like so because the way the camera is leering on them is insane. And then on top of that, like, the, so Goose dies in this movie. Um, Goose, uh, Tom Cruise's best friend in the movie, he dies, and uh, he died in like an accident during, I guess, a test. Flight or something along those lines oh. and then all of a sudden a war breaks out oh <laughs> so Tom Cruise has to fight in this war with some nondescript villains and like they're fighting and they win and that's Top Gun I I, I really I don't understand interesting
1: I have to see it's I have to see very... it now just for this description alone
0: Yeah it's It's not my type of movie already to begin with But like the actual story that's being told I did not care and as it was going along I was just like what is going on Like why are we playing volleyball right now Why are they all in locker rooms right now What is going on Why are we getting a scene where him and Kelly McGillis are fucking And she's his teacher What is happening in this movie And then like Oh Goose died What I feel like they're pandering
1: towards a certain audience Of the 80s
0: well, I mean, the movie is very interesting Because it seems very, like, raw, raw America Which is very interesting for the, Because I think in the 80s That probably wasn't something that people like, focused on at all But now we'd look at that and be like Propaganda <laughs> um, Which is something that was brought up with Top Gun Maverick Like, whether or not it would, it would be weird Having a movie like that in 2022 Because most people, especially our generation Now, would look at that and be like That's bullshit, that's like propaganda And all mm-hmm. like that um, Now, with all that being said Top Gun Maverick was really good. It's so much better than the original film. It actually has a plot. It <laughs> has a plot. There's stakes. There's a story. Um, I think uh, it's not... I'm not one of those people who's like, Top Gun Maverick is the best movie ever, because there are a lot of people out there. Really? I, it was good, but I mean... Yeah, no, a lot of people fucking love this movie. Like, they think it's, like, the best film, not only of the year, but, like, the best film in the past, like, several years, as far as, like, popcorn filmmaking goes. Okay, there are... And I... Disagree. I think that the film was really good. But, like, it's not... As far as Tom Cruise's... In Tom Cruise's filmography, it's not Mission Impossible, which I think is his is his opus. I think Mission Impossible is so much better. But, with that being said, um, if you don't know the plot of Top Gun Maverick, even though it made, like, a billion dollars or some bullshit, um, basically, the movie is about Tom Cruise uh, playing... Character name that I'm forgetting right now for reasons. My bad. Uh, Maverick. <laughs> <laughs> it's in the title. Um. So he. So Tom Cruise is Maverick, and basically, uh, he is uh pushing sixty, uh or forty. I don't know. I don't know about the ages in this movie. That's the part that's confusing. But regardless, basically, he's still he's still a fly a flyer. He's still very dangerous, very reckless. Um. Uh, he is. Uh, supposed to be in, like, a leadership role, but ultimately loves being, like, on the ground. He loves to be, like, in the ship, mm. essentially. Um, he, and it's been a minute since I've seen the movie, so please bear with me as I'm trying to describe what's going on, what was happening. But essentially, he uh, is asked to be the lead of Top Gun. He's asked to be the the teacher, as you will. And so he takes on a new team. One of the, uh, one of the students this year in the film is Miles Teller's character, who plays Goose's son. Um, He uh, basically uh, has resentment against Tom Cruise uh, because uh, Tom Cruise had pulled his papers uh, when he originally tried to get into um, the military. Uh, And the reason for that was because uh, Meg Ryan, who's not in this movie, but Meg Ryan plays his mother in the original Top Gun. She wanted him to pull the papers because she did not want... Uh, for Miles Teller uh, what, like, he didn't, she didn't want what happened to Goose happened to Miles Teller, if I'm saying that mm, correctly. No, like, you. she did not want to see her son die, similarly to how she had to see Goose die. Um, and so, as the film progresses, uh, we basically learn that there is a major mission that they have to accomplish, involving a very, very, uh, basically, as they put it, nearly impossible task of essentially bombing a nuclear arms facility um, in some nondescript country against some nondescript villains. I'm not joking. We do not see a single villain's face in this movie. It's just someone flying a plane and we don't know who it is. (laughs) Um, Flying planes planes and we don't know who they are. (laughs) Like, they never say, like, oh, we have to fight the No, they don't say anything. We do not know who these people are. It's like
1: a car situation. The plane is just actually an animated living thing
0: that would be hilarious but it's not even that because we it's just insane but as the movie progresses um like basically people are figuring this shit out there's a whole subplot involving jennifer connelly who plays tom cruise's like ex-girlfriend from way back when who was brought up in like one sentence in top gun in the original top gun um and as the movie goes along it's basically just a vehicle to watch tom cruise do a bunch of crazy stunts for two hours um, and those stunts are actually uh, amazing. Like it's it's really cool watching it because like they do some crazy shit with the with the with the planes in this movie. Uh, Tom Cruise as well as the cast actually learned how to fly for a lot of the scenes of the movie. Oh, that's crazy. Um, they they're they're doing most of them are doing their own stunts, and it's actually kind of it's insane. Um, they have to fly at some crazy speeds. There's a whole plot point about how uh, in order to escape without like dying, essentially, they have to fly at some sort of crazy speed. But they had to fly at that crazy speed, like inverted. And if they basically, what makes that so difficult is that the speed is so fast that there's a potential that they could pass out from it because the G's and are so film- high. I don't remember what the speed they was, but it's this? like something insane. And huh? They filmed
1: it like at that speed.
0: No, I don't think they actually flew at that speed because that would be hella dangerous. But the actors are the the actors actually like acted that out. I don't know. I would have to look into the details of like the stunt work in this movie, but like I know for a fact that like they did actually fly some of the planes, but I don't know if like if like the actors were actually being flown at those speeds to pass out or if that was just all for the if that was them acting. I have no idea, but <laughs> it, it's it gets crazy. It's a crazy. It gets it gets wild. I can't, can't, and, can you imagine
1: being an actor like and you did that s- stunt and you put that on your resume, but then you have to go into like the real world again? So you're like back at like some like nine to five job, and you're like okay, so, like, what's, like, the hardest thing you've had to do in your career? And you're like, well, (laughs) I had to fly a a jet. It's like, and you were an actor. Yes. Yes, I was. (laughs) And you flew a jet at ridiculous... this is what's crazy about Tom
0: Cruise. (laughs) This is what's crazy about Tom Cruise. All of his movies, he always wants to do his own stunts, and all of his stunts are fucking wild. Like, in, um, I don't know if you've seen uh, Mission Impossible. Oh, yeah, the the hanging,
1: like, hanging off the, like, the plane. Yeah.
0: Well, that happens in Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. In Fallout, he actually flies the helicopter in the movie. And if you see what's going on in the movie, there are scenes where like they're flying he's flying a helicopter to chase down the bad guy, and he's like flipping the helicopter around and and crashing it intentionally into other helicopters. Obviously, there's CG involved, but like there's a lot of shit that he's doing. There's a scene where where he's dangling at the bottom of one of the helicopters, and he is climbing up a rope. Because basically the helicopter has like a load on it. He's climbing up the rope to get to the top to get to the the main cockpit of the helicopter. And as he's climbing, at one point he falls, and then catches onto the load at the bottom of the helicopter. And Tom Cruise actually like did that. And I'm like, are you trying to die on on film? Like I just like it, it's actually kind of insane to me. Like what he's willing to do for cinema. It's wild um, to me. I think he's just a dose Equis man. <laughs>
1: The most interesting man in the world, <laughs> fair Com- point, combine- fair point. combined combined like, with the luckiest man in the world, because it's like how I would, I uh, those stunts well, give me a heart attack.
0: It, it's just it's just insane how much he is able to pull off in these movies, and especially for his age. I think I wouldn't be that that like enamored by it if he was like thirty, but he's sixty, <laughs> and it's and it's wild that he's still doing this shit. So yeah. I, I have to give it to him. Um, with that being said I think Top Maverick is a very good film I think it's one that to to watch it's it's for sure entertaining but it's not like I don't think it's like the best movie ever um, it is isn't my top 10 for the year but that's mainly because of the experience because I did see it in 4DX oh so you um, you were, you were flying the to plane too <laughs> yeah no if I was playing it, it it's easily my favorite movie that I've seen in 4DX um, like not in terms of the movie's quality, but in terms of, like, the experience. Like, being in those seats as, like, the planes are, like, flying and, like, being shook around and stuff like that, it's really fun. So, I'll give it that. But, yeah, yeah. that's Top Gun And
1: from most people's favorite movie to one of our friends' favorite movie of the year. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, I'm actually going to rush. I don't, I mean, I don't want to rush if you don't want to rush. But I think these two movies can be kind of, they're very formulaic and so we can talk they're about very the formulaic time. in nature. Um, but the one that I just mentioned was Doctor Strange and Multiverse of Madness. Um, yeah, um, I, too, am feeling the Marvel fatigue now. Yeah. And I'm someone who loves the Marvel Universe, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I love the comics. I love everything. And even I, too, am feeling the fatigue. And especially in comparison to another movie on this list, this is not the Multiverse ma- uh, movie that I was expecting. And it's not the one that I got. Um, it's, it's, a, it's just a solid it's it's a seven out of ten i don't i don't know if we want to talk about it more it's stuff happens and it it makes you question some things
0: well the next two movies i think we could talk about um, at the same yeah honestly i I will i think that i have a lot of the same issues with yeah no
1: i think for both of these movies they both succeed in the sense that they are their director's films so sam raimi doctor strange multiverse like that is a sam raimi film I loved his, like, his flavor and his touches in the editing style and the directorial ship. Um, like, how it basically felt like a horror film. How, it, like, how there was, like, suspense involved. Um, the, the shot, the, the rainy shots. Um, the the collaboration with Danny Elfman, obviously, um, with the score. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, a, yeah, it was a movie. It was a Marvel movie. Yeah. It was it was fine. Um, and then the next one being Thor Love and Thunder. Um, definitely a Taika Waititi movie. Like, definitely more, even more yeah. so than, I would say, Ragnarok. Like, full on focusing on the comedic writing, um, which I appreciated. Like, it was a very funny movie. With Thor and Love and Thunder, it's definitely a Taika Waititi movie. Like, even more so than Thor Ragnarok, as I was saying. Um, it's, it's all within the, the comedic writing of the movie, I think. It, they did a great job in that i really thoroughly enjoyed the comedy moments um i thought it was funny um but other than that i can't really praise it for much else there is a lot of questionable movie choices like that made me laugh that maybe me, i mean i think it was purposeful but like for what they were trying to do it was kind of hard to see what the focus was for the thor love and thunder where it's like they're trying to make it a familial like love story kind of like a rom-com in a sense but it, it just it didn't play out to the the best of it all and it's it was yeah it was kind of corny but again just it was a fun movie i'll say it was fun same with dr strange it was a fun movie but like it's more so just a popcorn eating movie i would say
0: yeah i would definitely agree with that i i think so I've also been feeling the Marvel fatigue, but I've been feeling it since probably Infinity War. <laughs> I, I felt it well before we even finished the first, uh, I guess the first two or three phases of Marvel. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I think Marvel movies are like, they're, they're fun entertainment for sure. I, I just think that like, there was a time in which watching a superhero movie felt like something interesting and something different. Um, like back in the 2000s, watching an X-Men movie or watching Spider-Man to me felt like, like, oh yes, I get to watch this movie. And then meanwhile, a whole bunch of other movies that would come out are like not really in that, in that space, there'd just be a whole bunch of different things that are coming out. But now I just feel like superhero movies specifically have like such a chokehold on the box office, on basically the movie industry as a whole, where, like, you see a bunch of filmmakers basically being dragged into these various uh, genres and getting a chance to do this work, but with material that may that may or may not fit them. Um, now, with Multiverse of Madness, I, I like it more than Thor, Ra- than Thor, not Ragnarok, Thor, Love and Thunder. Um, I appreciate, basically, the way I put it is that if Sam Raimi didn't direct it, the movie would be ass. <laughs> uh, the movie would be hot, yeah. hot garbage. And I think that... Sam Raimi, what he was able to do is he was given at least a little bit of enough of the space to do his own thing. Um, now, I think the worst part of Multiverse of Madness is easily when it dips into the marvel of it all. When it starts to get into like, ooh, here's Mr. Fantastic. I hated all of that. I hated it so <laughs> much. And when they all died, I was like, thank you. I did not care at all. I was just so, like, I rolled my eyes so hard. I was just not in the mood. I hated it. And so, when we actually got (laughs) away from that, and we got to see things like, uh, probably some of my favorite imagery had to do with with Wanda. I think that she's the best part of the movie. Um, Having to do with, like, the, the scene where she exits the, the mirror dimension by climbing through the gong. I thought that was amazing. I loved uh, them jumping through the der- the various multiverses and we get to see them passing through all these different multiverses in slow motion. I thought that was a really cool shot. Um, I loved the stuff in the third act where Doctor Strange Beast becomes a, like, has to control a zombie and then control the souls of the damned as a cape and all this other... like It was wild that he was able to get that type of stuff into the movie. Um, and I really appreciated that. Uh, But, like, overall, though, I think that as a movie, as a story being told, it falls into that same problem I have with all these goddamn Marvel movies, which is that they're not movies, they're commercials for other movies. And with Thor Love and Thunder, that especially felt like the case because the movie story didn't do anything. It really did not do anything, at least for me. I felt like the whole movie was just, like, setting up, like, ooh, now we have eternity here, and, oh, now Zeus is a character, and guess what, we're going to fight Hercules! Like, I just didn't care. And so, like, and then when we get to characters like Jane, who, to me, kind of felt like a completely different character from the first two movies, or first, yeah, first two movies, because Ragnarok's the third one. Um, I think that, like, I think that that idea was really enticing to me, but what they did with it, didn't. it didn't do anything for me, because they didn't do anything with it. because it was just like Mm -hmm. oh wow she's lady thor do we get to see her fight not really we get we get one scene we get one scene and then i guess the third act and that's it and then like all these children are fighting now and i I just i just thought it was just too much and i think that i like take i do i don't i don't think i think some people think that he's like a really annoying filmmaker i think some people think that like think that he like doesn't care about these movies which i do kind of agree i don't think he cares about these movies anymore um especially like watching interviews with him and he's like He's like, yeah, we were just having a good time. I'm like, I, 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 don't, I don't blame him because honestly, I wouldn't care either. Um, but like, yeah, I think of the two, I think Multiverse of Madness is the better film. But like, I would give Multiverse like maybe like six, six and a half out of out of ten. It was fine. Thor, Thor: Love and Thunder, I would probably give like a give like a five, more or less.
1: I understand. I understand your yeah, rating. Because
0: Christian Bale was really good in Love and Thunder. I didn't bring him up. But he's usually the best part of the movie. But he's in a wildly different movie. And the movie that he was in was the one I wanted to see. Yeah. Fair, man. yeah. Okay, so we knocked those out. So, I guess, moving it from Disney Marvel to Disney Pixar, we have Turning Red. Um, my One of my favorite movies of the year. Uh, I Thank love you. this movie. Uh, it is... I think on my list is my number two. Yeah, it's my number two movie of the year. Uh, It is... uh, If you haven't got a chance to see it, it's a movie about a young girl, uh, a young Chinese-Canadian girl, who uh, is coming of age. She is uh, 13. um, And uh, basically one day, she wakes up and finds that she has turned into a giant red panda. And uh, we learn that this is a a magical trait that was passed down to them from her ancestors. Uh, her mother dealt with it. Her grandmother dealt with it. Her aunts dealt with it. And so basically uh, now she has to, I guess, balance her panda. And a lot of that has to do with like her emotions, the way that she decides to control how she feels about certain things. Um, and I think that what I loved so much about this movie is that I felt like it very much was super low stakes in a way that I kind of appreciated. It's not a movie where it's like, Ooh, she's turning into a red Panda, but there's some sort of evil villain who's trying to steal her powers and like take over the world. Like, it's not all that. It's literally just, she's a red Panda. (laughs) Uh, How does she deal with that as a teenage girl uh, who's growing up and like how it kind of related back to like how she is growing up and how her parents, specifically her mother, how basically her growing up affects the, the relationship she has with her mother. And I think that it was a very, very interesting story. I thought it was very well told. Um, this is a movie that... And I, I'm I not joking when I say this. I think that Domi Shi, the director of the film... I would love to see her get award recognition. Specifically in... Specifically outside of the animated feature category. Like, I would love a screenplay nomination. Or even, honestly, a, 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 a director nomination. I think that, like... We, that's not something that ever happens. That a director of an animated film gets a director nomination... But, like, if she got a director nomination for this film, I think that'd be amazing. Because I think that she, unlike a lot of other Pixar filmmakers, she actually was able to inject a certain style that was really fresh um, with the Pixar formula. I I think that most Pixar... Pixar has been very much about trying to make everything photorealistic. Trying to achieve this level of realism that goes beyond uh, animation. And basically blurs the line between animation and reality. Um, but this movie wasn't trying to do that. It was literally just a mix of different animation styles. Like there's very much an anime influence to the film. There is a lot of like um, very, very expressive animation. Um, and I, I, I loved it. I thought it was amazing. I, I love this film.
1: You know, I, I completely uh, share the same sentiments as you. Um, it's I just love the the messaging of like the generational trauma and how basically they overcame it. And um, although that may be actually more fantasy than reality, because not many people can say they they overcome their generational trauma with their, their parents, yeah. especially within Asian households, um, because it's, yeah, it's just how it is. Um, but I really appreciate how it's almost, how someone could live that fantasy and how something could come about that where... Um, there's just a different language being spoken and I don't mean that in the sense of like physical language but like a love language where her her mother is like the stereotypical like tiger mom where it's like overbearing um really cares about her daughter wants her to succeed um uh but she does it in the most like in your face way possible where like she's literally showing up to school like worrying about her daughter um, like, thinking that she forgot pads because she thinks that she's going through um, having her first period as opposed to turning into a yeah. giant red panda. Um, but, like, yeah, being almost, like, being shooed away from the school, from, the like, the groundskeep. <laughs> and she's like, no, I have a right to be here. It's like, she's, like, peeking through the window. Yeah, but, like, it's it just goes to show that, like, parent like I think it's the the, the broader message, too, being, like, our parents care, that, or, like, maybe our our mother cares. But, like, there's just a... A different barrier especially um even like the generation um especially for music where it's like um um may may really wants to go watch um oh, what are, what's the group called um oh Fortown. my god it's such a big point yeah it's four town uh how she's like oh i really want to go see this concert and it's like what you want to see boys yeah. like no like you should be staying at home well, studying and keep doing the great things why you're is already doing four town there's getting... five
0: of them <laughs> <laughs> i don't know why i love that joke i thought that was hilarious oh
1: because isn't it aren't, aren't they like twins no, or something? i don't even know
0: it was just like there's five of them but they're i think both i think town. there's i don't i don't know i think one of, i think one of them is like a twin <laughs> so
1: like they're like counting two people as one they're like yeah this is like a nine person um which really uh that brings me back to like i really love the score like um phineas um billy yeah. ice's brother great job he killed it um writing the songs and like uh doing the whole production and whatnot yeah, and like, the really felt like, felt like a boy band in the early 2000s. Like, it was like, yep, I would listen to them if I was a kid, like, yeah. in that
0: age. Yeah, the, the music, the Four Town, like, songs are really good. Um, And, like, I think he did an amazing job on that. Um, And I think they both worked on it, actually. I think both Phineas and Billy worked on the music. But oh, hey. but oh, then yeah, also so. uh, the 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 actual like musical score was done by Ludwig Göransson, who's slowly becoming one of my favorite composers. Oh yeah, that's um, right. He did uh, the score for Tenet. He won the Oscar for uh, his score for Black Panther, and I mm-hmm. love his work. He's also a music producer. He worked a lot with Childish Gambino, um, and like mm-hmm. his his music for this film, I listen to it all the time. It's so good. It's so well done, um, and yeah i think this is just one of those movies that like um i think that there's just so much going on in terms of like the family dynamic uh in the movie and also like the friends who i think are really funny and really interesting uh and like you could definitely see how like like in some movies like there is this thing that happens where like the the main character has to learn some sort of message but the way the friends are depicted it's like Oh, they're actually terrible. Like, I think of, like, even though this has nothing to do with this movie, I think of something like Devil Wears Prada, where in the Devil Wears Prada, great movie, by the way, um, the movie, when you're younger, like, the movie, the way the mes- the movie is, like, the messaging happens, you're thinking, like, oh, the friends are right. Like, you're changing. You're doing X, Y, Z. But then when you watch the movie again, like, as an adult, you realize, oh, the friends are villains. They are awful. They are the worst. And in this movie, like, like these these girls actually feel like they actually feel like a close-knit friend group in a way that I thought was really interesting. Because I don't think that many films like really pull that off without you like really asking questions. Um, and mm-hmm. I really appreciate that. Um, and it's very funny because this is a movie that ultimately climaxes in a giant red panda fight. Where the mom is a red panda the size of the, f- the fucking Empire State Building or some shit. And she's... Oh, yeah, the was de- the de- the hilarious when he was describing that. I told her she that. was big. He's that big? big? Like, what? <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, this... Even though it does have, like, those things about it, it, it still comes together in a really great way, and I will be honest, I cried.
1: I can't say the same. Um, I have... I'm notorious for not crying during <laughs> movies. I have no heart. No soul. Um... Yeah. But yes, <laughs> it's fantastic. Great movie.
0: Okay, so turning uh, red, watch it. I, I will.
1: So, yes, the next six movies—it's okay. all you. I've not seen a single <laughs> one of these. <laughs> Oh wait, okay. So I've seen that one, but the next five movies I've not seen. <laughs> okay,
0: so okay, so we'll start with Watcher. So okay, this is a this is a small indie horror movie. I'm just gonna go through this really quick because there's not there's not too much to like really delve into, I guess. But uh, Watcher, I really want to bring it up because it is a smaller indie film. I watched it like a few weeks ago, and it's basically about a young woman who moves to um. Oh, shit. I forget what country she moves to? Uh, I believe it's a part of Germany. I could be wrong. But she moves to uh, a new country with her husband, who uh, doesn't know the language of that country, but she ultimately feels isolated because she doesn't know the language. And over the course of the film, she begins to believe that she is being stalked by a neighbor of theirs. And the whole movie is basically her... Like trying to determine whether or not she's being stalked. There's also a subplot involving there being a potential serial killer in the area who had murdered, uh, who is murdering women, uh, specifically uh, decapitating women in this film. Um, And so she basically has this deep seated paranoia about being stalked and watched by someone who she doesn't know. And the film is, it does kind of play that. of like this woman is describing an experience that she's having but no one believes her but it's actually really really well done the movie stars Micah Monroe who uh, you may know from films like It Follows um, and she gives an amazing performance I think it's one of the best performances of the year she is so good in this movie I really loved everything that she was doing Um, and I think this is a film that is it is a slow burn and it does have an ending that you could say is very um is kind of a different tone from the rest of the movie because so much of the movie is ambiguous and the, and the ending kind of puts a button on everything but I think that the movie is really really well made the performances are very strong um, and I can't wait to watch it again and I, I said before uh, Brandon you're watching this movie at some point I'm, I'm telling you right now it's okay. it's I, I it's currently it. on shutter I think it just premiered on shutter so um, definitely one to uh-huh. check out uh, the next one is one that many people love and I'm just going to quick fire it. But like many people love this movie. RRR. <laughs> uh, so RRR, uh, if you don't know, is a Tollywood film, uh, about two men, uh, who ultimately become best friends, but turn up, but turns out they are on two, two opposing sides, or at least so we believe two opposing sides of a, essentially a political warfare. Um, we uh, meet these two men. I'm trying to remember the names of the characters, so my apologies. Uh, but um, the uh, for the most part, the lead of the film uh, is a man named uh, Raju, and Raju, if I remember correctly, is uh, he is essentially a a part of the British military um he is a police officer uh the movie takes place uh during the british occupation of india and uh basically the whole film revolves around a young girl that was stolen from a small tribe uh and a small community and is essentially trying to be saved by because i can't remember the exact name of the character um essentially a spy and he's a freedom fighter, and he's trying to save this young girl from the British, who's basically keeping her as a pet. And then um, Raju, who uh, is that police officer, uh, after a ridiculous, over the top scene where they save a child from a burning, from like from burning to death in in water. Or there's like an oil spill, and then everything's on fire. So they try to save this child by using a flag, a motorcycle, a horse, and a rope. It's insane. Um, <laughs> uh, they become best friends, and the whole movie is very broy. It's a very much like a bro a bro film. Um, like these two characters like have have like serious bro love for each other. Um, and then over the course of the film, uh, they basically begin to learn more about their motivations, learn more about who they actually are, what they what their place is in this overall grander war that is happening it's a very very good film very well made very well acted everyone is top tier in the movie i mean you could argue that all the british actors are really bad in it but i feel like that's kind of the point i I feel like that's that's kind of the point of the film um but it's a it's a great film my only complaint and i know that this is going to sound very like ah my only complaint as i said before this is a three hour film. didn't need to be three hours. It didn't need to be three hours. I'm sorry, it did not need to be three hours. Um, I think it's it's very fun. it's very fast paced. So like the three hours don't feel like don't feel like overly long, but it is a film that like that to me could be cut down just a little bit. Um, even that even if it was like 240, I think that would be better. I, I just think three hours is just excessive. Um, but I do think this is a great film. It's also a musical. So there's that. Oh. <laughs> it's a musical action film, oh. and we love that. So oh. it's great. It's a great movie. It, it, it's it's oh. great. Uh, it's wild, but it's great.
1: Lay Mis, crack.
0: Um, okay, so next we have Bodies, Bodies, Bodies.
1: Bodies, Bodies, uh. Bodies. <laughs> We're playing this. We're going to play uh. this game, Daryl.
0: Yeah, we definitely should play this game because this was this movie is so funny. This is one of my favorite comedies of the year. This is so funny. Um, so, basic premise. A group of friends, a uh, group of rich friends specifically, get together to uh, at a pool party uh, during a... Or get together at like someone's house. They have a pool. They're having a pool party at first. But then there's actually going to be a hurricane coming through. And so they're all hanging out at uh, their rich friend's house during a hurricane. And they decide to play a game called Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Uh, and then uh, after while playing the game uh one during this whole storm uh one of their friends they end up finding dead or dying but dead and the rest of the film is these girls uh and like this group of friends trying to figure out who is the killer um and it is so funny so this movie does have like tension it d- it is tense in some spots
1: oh, but for it's sure.
0: so it's so funny. Like I like I, I was just dying the whole time. Uh, the film uh, has a pretty stacked cast. Uh, I think the highlights of the film are definitely Amanda Stenberg, who plays uh, the main character whose name is Do you remember? I should have looked up all the characters' names, but I, I'm forgetting. Um, ooh, um, is it? <sighs> so What's B is played by Maria Bakalova who is Amanda Stenberg's mm-hmm. girlfriend in the movie. Amanda Stenberg plays a character named... Oh. Uh, I remember her name, too. Okay, we'll just call them by the actor's names because I'm, I'm we're forgetting the character's names. But definitely uh, the highlight of the movie, for me, was Rachel Sennett. Uh, Rachel Sennett plays... Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Her character is so funny. The shit she says is wild to me, and I just laugh so... Like, there's a scene where... Um, Maria Bacalova's character explains that she uh, her mother was going through like a hard time and she had to help her mother. Her I guess her mother was sick, so she had to help her mother with a bunch of stuff. She had to drop out of college because of it. And then Rachel said it tries to be like understanding and helpful. But what she says is like it's like, no, like I get it. Like mental health is like really important. Like I've never told anybody this, but I I have body dysmorphia. And I don't know why I died so I was laughing so hard. Because like it's just so, like, what the fuck are you talking about? And then uh, at one point she goes off on somebody. And then the insult she says is, your family is upper middle class. Middle and class. I <laughs> lost it. I just lost it. Oh, God. It's so funny. There's so many great, like, one-liners and so many great, like, like lines. I think if you watch the trailer, there are a lot of, like, lines that that are, that are cut out, like, oh, you guys fucking trigger me. Or like, stop, you're silencing <laughs> me. Or like, oh, another line me. from Rachel Senate. What did she say? She said like, she's like, he's he's like he's a Virgo moon. <laughs> what did she say? She said something oh, yeah. like wild <laughs> like that. It was yeah. so funny. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, he's an Aries moon. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, what are you? And they're like, oh, like, so you don't know him? <laughs> he, he would
1: never. He would never do that. What's his middle name? That's that's not something you would oh, know. My
0: God. And like. <laughs> And so I guess do we want to spoil this movie? Um ooh. Because the, because the twist of the end of the movie it makes the, it so much funnier. It turns it into, oh yeah, into a direct comedy.
1: You you don't see it's it. Coming. Really, it
0: comes out of nowhere. <laughs> ah gosh. Like I want to, but I think I'm gonna leave it leave it up to so yeah, right. th- that
1: that's one movie yeah. we won't spoil for. Definitely
0: worth a watch. It's so good. It's oh, so yeah. funny. It's such it's so fun. Um so yeah, bodies, bodies, bodies. Um, I think uh I gave it like an 8, eight and a half out of ten uh on my Letterboxd, which uh you can see all my ratings for these movies on, on Letterboxd Um but yeah, this one is on my top ten. It it is number seven in my top ten. Hey, yeah, that's it's solid. Very good. It's a very good film. Um. So there's that. The next one is another movie that's on my top ten. It's actually number eight on my top ten. Uh, is X. So, uh, Brandon, you have not seen X, right? Okay, another X. one I'm going to show you for sure. But you know of the sequel that's coming out called Pearl? Oh, Th- that is the okay, sequel yeah, yeah. or the prequel to this film. Okay. Okay, I'll be interested yeah. in it then, so for sure. So, X is basically, it's a horror film that's very much a, it's very much a love letter to, uh, like, 70s slasher horror, like, like, a Texas Chainsaw Massacre, specifically. Um, the film uh, stars uh, Mia Goth, 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 uh, Mia Goth, as a woman who uh, is a porn star. She, her, and a group of uh, porn actors, as well as uh, some crew, uh, get together and go on a road trip to stay at an old, uh, like, farmhouse, basically in the middle of nowhere. Uh, the farmhouse is owned by uh, an old man and an old woman, the old woman being Pearl, hence the, the prequel aspect of the film. Um, and mm. the movie uh, becomes a slasher film where these porn actors are being killed off one by one by these older people um and the movie it, it it would just be simply like a, like a dumb slasher horror um which is fu- perfectly fine that's all i was expecting going into it but instead it becomes a movie about youth and about what it means to be young and what it what it means to want to do something with your life to a certain extent and it also oh. becomes about, like, there is a lot of, like, religious stuff going on in the film. We learn, um, and, I, and I will get into spoilers with this film, um, still watch it. Definitely, like, the experience of watching it will, will, will do more for you than just listening to me talk about it. But essentially, depending on whether or not you like these types of films. But essentially, uh, we learn about, like, the characters. And one of the characters, one of the big, like, twists of the film is that uh, throughout the movie, there is um, a pastor... Uh, on TV giving a sermon about like about basically how like sex and drugs are corrupting the youth. And um, we learn later that Mia Goth's character is that pastor's daughter. and as he puts it, she had oh. been corrupted by drugs and sex and had run away. Um, and throughout the film we understand that her character she really wants to become a star. She wants to become like super well known, she wants to become like a real actor and like all this other stuff. And so the movie begins to become about like, um, how essentially people find this jealousy in in the way that these people decide to live their lives. And there's a there's a scene where Brittany Snow's character, uh, she basically starts talking about how, uh, how basically it's not their fault that like they make other people horny. Like we only we only live. Yeah, they, they, she says something along those lines, but she basically talks about how like. We only live one life, we only get to be young once, so why not live it up while we have that time? Because soon enough we're going to be old and we're not going to be able to do any of the stuff that we do now. So if anybody wants to judge us for that, fuck them. Like, we're going to live our lives the way we want to live them. And that becomes almost like a weird weird motivator for Pearl's uh, murderous uh, actions throughout the movie. Um, And... Yeah, it's very, very good. It, it was a movie that, like, when I first watched it, I was like, "That was fine. Um, it was okay. I didn't think it was as crazy as people were saying." But on the second, on a rewatch, I really appreciated what the movie was was going for, and it was actually doing more than I really was expecting at all. Also, fun fact: uh, so Mia Goth, who plays the main character in X, she also plays the main character in Pearl because she is playing the old version of Pearl under a shit ton of makeup. <laughs> And I didn't know that until late. I found that out later when they started talking about the fact that Pearl was becoming a movie and it was going to star Mia Goth. So basically what they did is they filmed both movies back to back and they basically just had the actors film both movies while they had them essentially. Yeah. So I'm excited for Pearl. um, And I really, really enjoyed uh, X and it's, it's a very good film. So if you like slasher horror, I definitely recommend it. Um, Next one I'll talk about is my number three on my list. Um, I'm sorry, these last couple are movies uh, the next two movies are movies that Brandon has not seen, as far as I know you haven't seen The Northman either, right? okay, I'm gonna make this quick fire super fast, Marcel the Show with Shoes On very, very good. It's a very good movie. Loved it. Um, there's not a single thing I didn't like about it. I thought it was perfectly paced, perfectly, uh, told. I think it was really interesting because it was very emotionally resonant. Um, I didn't cry or anything in like this, in this movie, but it was very emotionally resonant. Like the story was interesting. Marcel is amazing. He has some great digs. Uh, like at one point he, he says to like, uh, to, the movie is filmed in like a mockumentary style and he tells the, he says to the filmmaker, have you ever, have you ever like, thought about, like, he basically tells, tells him, like, maybe if you stop, like, looking at your camera all the time and trying to film everything, you should just, like, live life? Did you ever think about that? Living life? It was, just, it was just something really funny. <laughs> but the way he says it is so funny to me. And, like, Grant, Grandma Connie, uh, who is the grandmother of uh, Marcel, amazing. Loved her character. And I just loved everything about this movie. So it's my number three on my list. Uh, it's so good. Northman. Uh, Northman, fantastic, loved it uh, This one is also on my list, it is number Five um, So the Northman If you don't know, it's basically the story Of, well it's Hamlet But it's it's the story that inspired Hamlet uh, about a character named Amleth <laughs> uh, It is of Norwegian, it's like a Norse mythology Like story And uh, oh, yeah. essentially it tells like that Exact same story, so it's pretty much the exact same Type of movie um, but really, really well done. Loved Alexander Skarsgård's performance. Best Nicole Nicole Kidman performance in a long time. Super well directed. Super well acted. Amazing score. Brilliant across the board. Um, so the next two are movies that we've both seen, and one of them is one that uh, we both have a deep love for on almost every level. Uh, okay, so let's talk about Nope. So, so <laughs> oh. you go ahead. I've talked a lot. So.
1: Uh, yeah, nope. Uh, in case you don't know, it's Jordan Peele's third film in his line of uh, filmography, cinematography. Um, the other two being Get Out and Us. Uh, so nope, going into it, I think both of us, I can say we had no idea. I think Jordan Peele did a great job in his marketing for the movie in which he left a lot up um, for interpretation, a lot of vague details, and um definitely delivered in terms of like when you finally got into the theaters and which you watched the movie which is basically um Daniel Kaluuya's character um June uh, June, uh what's his name? same uh, Daniel Kaluuya's character OJ yeah OJ yes because he's um the junior um but OJ and um his sister Emerald um they're basically legacy um horse trainers for um the movie filming industry um so emerald she's she kind of did her own thing and left oj to basically run the farm with his dad um and then one day in a freak accident um their dad died in like this weird act like freak thing where things fell from the sky he got um a key shot through his head and uh, killed him a coin um basically yeah. a coin yes yeah, so, yes yeah, right it was a coin It was. A, I, like I a that because, that's,
0: because i feel like that's something that's important in terms of like my interpretation of the film but go go on
1: okay here um, so that happens OJ's just like left to deal with it it's like transitions to six months later or something like that it's like a, a brief time later um, emerald's back in their life he, she's helping OJ with gigs trying to get horses back on to like actual things because now in the movie industry we don't really need practical effects or even real animals anymore for certain things um, which kind of plays into it but I'm gonna skip ahead to essentially um, they're in financial troubles OJ starts selling his horses to a nearby ranch run by, uh, jupe Jupiter. Um, he's a, uh, former child actor from a TV series. Um, which is like, Oh, what's the Gordy's name? Home. The monkey, uh, oh, crap. Gordy's uh, ba- basically he's he, yeah, Gordy's home. So basically, uh, he was in a, an old uh, TV show called Gordy's home as a child actor. And he then reopened a ranch, uh, called Jupiter's ranch. Um, and now he's buying the horses from OJ and putting on some certain shows going on. Then weird things start happening around um, OJ's farm and whatnot. There's um, strange occurrences, electrical outages, um, and like horses going missing and running away from things happening. And it all culminates to this grand reveal where we find out at Jupiter's ranch the reason he's been buying horses and been having late night shows that we could hear from across, um, like the fields and everything is because Jupe has been practicing a show in which an alien swoops up and abducts the horses. And, um, we find this out in the most gruesome (laughs) way possible. It It is, is it shakes you to your core if you watch this, if you watch this in IMAX. Um, the sound design is crazy in this movie. Um, the visuals like this is a i don't I don't. I don't know if it was it's definitely not a low budget movie but basically it's, this is not a triple a title movie i think that's like getting now hundreds it, of hundreds of it millions was made of dollars. With about like 20
0: mm-hmm. to 25 million i believe something like that no even even no i'm yeah. sorry i think it was more like 70 something regardless there will be considered like mid-budget it's not even considered like a high budget film
1: yeah and the visuals and everything else were yeah. fantastic in this um but essentially it culminates in that we find out that the alien um it looks like a ufo um because and it's not a ufo we all think it's a ufo at first and like oh okay so like the grand reveal is like we're gonna see what these aliens look like it's like oh nope the ufo is an alien and it's like
0: yeah so over the course of the film like we watch the way that this thing like works and it's It really creeps me out, Um, but basically, it's a giant flying saucer that flies around, but it doesn't make any sounds as it's flying around, and it moves, but it doesn't move like a plane or any sort of flying, like flying like locomotive would it like what it will do is it will like it will stop and hover and then it will like fly and then change directions like on a dime and fly down and swoop up and it does a bunch of stuff that like a normal locomotive would not and we learn oj while observing the way that this thing operates realizes this isn't a a ufo this isn't a plane this isn't like a like a spaceship it's an animal like we learned that this thing is an animal it's not a a, a, a it's it's insane and I, and when that when that reveal happened i was just i was in awe because i was like oh my god that's crazy yeah
1: um there's just so much from this movie that like it's unlike any of of uh, jordan Peele's previous works either cuz like get out very on the nose but executed well in the sense of that get out uh, or us is very um it's very symbolic and a lot more fantastic fan, uh whimsical almost. I would definitely I would say. say like fan- it's like very fantastic or fantastical, whatever you want to say. It's very like um more delving into the um the cosmic or like the more like yeah fantasy yeah, aspects say, of horror. Oh, and I'm
0: sorry, I was just gonna say I would definitely say that us is his most um for lack of more way of putting it his most cryptic film. So I think it's, that one's definitely the hardest yeah, to for, decipher. But, yeah.
1: Exactly. And then with Nope, it's basically Jaws. Um, but with the fear of, like, basically, instead of a shark, it's an alien that's, like, it's like p- uh, predating on you as if it was, like, a bird. But, like, a jellyfish yeah. bird. <laughs> and it's, like, sw- it's just, it's crazy how they really captured that sense of feeling like you are prey. Yeah. Um, in, in its world essentially and you're just like oh we're not the top dogs anymore like yeah. as humans and i think
0: what was what i thought was so fascinating about it was the fact that like i think that it was an amazing subversion on that type of genre because i think that going into the movie and i think jordan peele even knows this because of a certain scene that happens in the movie like everyone is going in expecting like oh this is a movie about aliens so we're expecting like oh there's like aliens that are like like gonna come down and like attack us or so on those lines and there's a scene in the movie where we see uh like what we think are aliens in in a barn and it's very suspenseful that probably got the most visceral reaction out of most people in the theater in terms of like people screaming people going like oh no like like a lot of like audible reactions but but that's actually just like a, a um a fake out because we learned that those are actually just kids in the costumes um
1: which, which Daniel Kaluuya? Yeah,
0: punches a child in the face, and we don't talk about it, and it's so funny. But <laughs> it's okay; he's no. dead. Oh no! no. <laughs> but um, oh well, gets, yo, you are right. Oh. oh, god. See, I think that's the other thing about the scene is that, like, is that even though it's not like anything that we've never seen before, but like the fact that they were able to—that was actually kind of bold. It's, like he, it's... like it's not just that it ate like people; it it ate children. <laughs> it ate the, the disabled it's, it's be- like it ate everyone no it's, it,
1: it's just because again like i i love creature films and the fact that i believed it was a creature in the way that they like really made a narrative yeah. of it like they really made it like the, the they they named the um the alien yes. jean jacket they really made jean jacket feel like a character in the film like as opposed to like jaws i mean i'm gonna i'm gonna out myself here i've never seen jaws but like with jaws it feels like i'm sure like i've seen a lot of other like monster movies or creature films i'm sure it felt like it just like almost like a puppet or something like um that's just there that's to be like there's a common enemy with this it feels like like an actual animal um it feels like something that like oh this is like a living being especially because we transition from the the vacuum scene essentially where all the people get sucked up like the initial suck up like from our perspective on ground level to the internal workings of jean jacket so like it's like a like a wide shot and you just see the hole or the mouth the opening and everyone starts like filing in and then it, it transitions into like its intestinal yeah. tracks, and then and, that's what yeah. really got me because you just hear sloshing, you hear people, you hear the you screams. Hear screaming, they're basically of people, like too.
0: being sucked into like a really tight tube, and you it's, can tell like they're getting it's crushed. Really claustrophobic. Like you, all you hear is just them screaming and like a lot of like the sound design is wild. In some ways, it sounds like that sound when like you 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 rub on a balloon. Like, it has, like, that sound oh, to it, yeah. and, like, the texture of it looks almost, like, balloon-like, but you're watching them as they're, like... They're basically just being digested and killed, and they're all just screaming, oh, yeah. and, and it's it's intense. It's, it's oh, really visceral. And,
1: and that's the attention to detail, too, because we then realize that, like, h- how it digests is that it basically almost acts like a storm cloud, where it hovers over yeah. a certain area, um, and then it spews out all the inorganic material that it can't digest. Almost like how like owls or other um, certain animals like yeah. have pellets, um, which is how actually OJ's and Emerald Sad died. It's a, it, it basically was digesting and spat out a bunch of like junk it couldn't digest. But um, another character, I forget his name. I know his name is Brandon in real life. Um, Brandon Perea. The actor's name. His yeah, name Brandon name. Perea who was angel angel yes so angel and uh, emerald are inside the house basically sheltering um and then it's jean is being all the blood on top of the house which again is a whole nother sign but when that happens we hear screaming at first yeah. um but then once it makes a, like the crunch sound it actually that's when the screaming stops and that's that was another point of the movie I was like, oh. yeah
0: and like we watch as it and then and then the blood uh, falls, and, the, and then that's your, like it, yeah it, 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 the thing it, it it digests like organic material and then spews out all the inorganic material. But like I guess in this case because it ate so many people at once, like it also spews out like blood and is it's raining mm-hmm. blood onto the house. Oh my god, it's so it's so terrifying. And the fact that like um, this horror movie, so I found out that this is the first horror movie to ever be shot with, shot in IMAX, which I find that wild to think about. But um, but oh. I think it was really worth it. We saw it in IMAX and the size mm-hmm. of jean jacket and watching just like this wide shot of the house and seeing just how small the house is in comparison to how big jean jacket is as it's spewing out all of this shit oh my god it was it was it's, it's it was terrifying i thought it was so scary yeah it's
1: a it's almost ironic how the theme in the movie was about spectacle and yet we were there watching a yeah. spectacle and yeah um so oh. Yeah, oh, I was just
0: going to say, like, I think that what I love so much about the film is that, like, it's so much about spectacle. It's so much about exploitation. Um, and I think that, like, that stuff just goes so deep. And I think that's something that Jordan Peele is really good at. I think he's really good at kind of putting in little hints to, to like, the points of his films without it being, like, spelled out um, or being, like, too on the nose. Um, and I brought up, like, the coin, the their father being killed by the coin, specifically because I feel like that, that is a that is kind of like a reference to what is going on in the film where the whole, like, motivations of the film is that uh, OJ and Emerald basically to make money, they want to get footage of Jean Jacket, get footage or a picture of Jean Jacket to share with the world. Um, Basically saying, like, we have proof of this thing that no one's ever seen before. Uh, We're capturing something brand new. And in a sense, uh, I thought that was very interesting because, like, one plot point in the film is that you can't look at jean jacket if you look up at jean jacket it will basically react like any animal would where like looking at it would be considered like a threat and jean jacket really only attacks those that he deems as a threat being anybody that looks directly in its eye if you if you want to say um and so i thought that was very interesting because in a weird way the whole point of the film is that they want to capture something to look at Jean Jacket. Um, but in the case of the dad, he's looking up, whether he saw Jean Jacket or not, he's looking up and he's killed by essentially money by the very thing that ultimately everyone wants to, wants to get in a way that kind of goes back to Jupe being someone who ultimately wanted to make money by creating this show. And he's ultimately killed by that hubris. And I think that kind of all filters down throughout the film. Um, yeah, I just think that this is a really really great film. Again, another one of my top 10, this is my number 4. Um and uh I loved it. And sorry, go go ahead.
1: Oh, I I have nothing else to add to yeah, it. It was just a yeah. great movie. Everyone should go also, watch it. One of the and...
0: wildest creature designs in a movie ever. Who thought of that? <laughs>
1: Oh yeah whoever like concept artist or person who if it was jordan peele who's just like all right this is what i want um because apparently during filming and everything he was like trying to describe it to like, <laughs> daniel Kaluuya and kiki palmer and they're just like what and it's like just believe me you're gonna have to like oh my just God. pretend because he... and just like just trust me it's scary because like it's so it's almost like angel biblical yeah. like uh like bible like the the uh what's it called the the visualization of it is very on the, like what people describe angels to look exactly. like in the Bible. Like it is, especially when it like reaches its like final form and it's just like, just such a floaty. Oh yeah. It's just crazy. And there's just so much I want to know more about Jean Jacket. Like, like it's origin story and like why it's there. How did it get there? Why did it transform into its final form? What is that green yeah. flashing thing? Like, yeah. Uh, and like, yeah just great great design it's just
0: i because when it when it did that i don't know i guess i was just expecting something very simple so in the film like jean jacket for a majority of the film looks like looks like a a flying saucer a ufo a a traditional ufo but then towards the end of the film i guess in, in, in a way as like a a threat response kind of like how like a how like an animal will like kind of make itself look bigger to kind of like make you more like afraid of it or make you like to kind of mm-hmm. ward off predators um, It unfolds itself And begins to look like Almost like a giant jellyfish balloon Looking thing With a giant yeah. like emerald <laughs> uh, Emerald looking Eye And it also kind of looks like The the iris of a camera And it like And, and basically to further that threat response Basically that, that eye Unfolds and like does that Over and over again to create, like, this big diamond shape on the front of it. Um, and it and it also moves in, like, a way that it's not supposed to be of this world. It's, like, like, its eye is on, like, one side of it, and it can move the eye from one side of it, like, close itself, and then open the eye on the back of it. It's so weird. It's such a strange design. But I thought it was so interesting that they came up with that. And I think I had heard somewhere that, like, that they... Part of the inspiration was Jellyfish. Like it Like, they had talked to, like, some sort of, like aeronautics expert or something to kind of help with the design of the of the creature so um because mm-hmm. that was my initial reaction i thought it looked like a giant jellyfish to a certain extent but like it, it, yeah. it it's crazy and i think it's i love that i just on the on the level of like just the originality of the film i think i really really appreciated, and that's something that we don't really see in many films so i i really i loved it so yeah yeah
1: and then from one spectacle to my number one spectacle of the year my favorite movie of the year it's everything everywhere all all at once everyone deserves all the the nominations (laughs) all the awards oscars 2023 is going to be nothing but eeao nothing but this movie it better be (laughs) Or or I'm writing. I'm gonna like when we do our ballots and we start like putting. I'm gonna put it for everything. I don't care.
0: I mean, I'm gonna agree with you. I this is this movie is so fucking good, and I'm still I still am not entirely sure how they pulled this movie the fuck off. I don't understand how it works because it shouldn't. And it it feels like it it feels like it shouldn't. Yeah.
1: And this is like one of the movies where you say like you don't want the long runtime. This is a. Two hour thirty minute. I think it's twenty two hour and I think ha- it's two and, between, and a half hours. It's
0: between two ten and two two and a half.
1: Yeah. Yeah, but it's on the it's on the longerish yeah. side. We'll say it's a mid movie. It's like mid length movie, not mid as in like mid tier. Like no 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 no. This is top tier. This is yep. yeah. Uh, I'll I'll just we can I think we should just skip the plot in terms of like recapping uh, that. Let's just talk about what we feel about the movie. What was the highlights and the great things that really touched upon it, and I, I think it all goes with um, the writing, because this role, although originally meant for Jackie Chan, Michelle Yeoh killed it and made it her own, um, really portraying Evelyn as this mother who who's just trying to survive in life and who wants to to feel a success, because her whole life, she felt like a failure, and in fact, she is, apparently she's the worst <laughs> version of herself across every single universe possible and it's because she's failed every like at everything means that she has the most potential to succeed and i thought that was first of all great writing on their hand to say that um but like yeah she just really embodies that person that i think we all feel like at times where it's just like is this really the best version of me it's just really all that i have that i'm just a laundromat owner i'm in a loveless marriage almost i mean on, on her side she could care less but like um, Waymond her husband he's in a loveless marriage um even though he's super he's the, the happy go lucky one he's the one that like is trying to find all the the positivities in life regardless of possi- like being audited and like possibly losing their their home and their job their jobs and their their source of everything and then um Evelyn's Evelyn and uh, Wayman's Daughter Joy um, basically not being accepted and having again a a generational language barrier difference being love language and not feeling understood and feeling like again you don't have a purpose or you don't have a place in the world and that all culminating all together in this basically family movie even though you probably shouldn't take your kids to see this movie (laughs) if they're below the ages of
0: you know 10 Yeah,
1: I mean you can do whatever you want. It, i do not going to tell you how to not raise your kids. Explicit, but they, there are a few they, things. They, they, like, this is mm, this is an yeah. accessible movie. This is a highly accessible
0: movie. Yes, this is um, this is also my number one of the year, uh, and it's slowly making its way up on my like favorites of all time. Um, I I don't even know where to start. So okay. I think that, yes, the writing is super strong here. And I think that it's... I find it very impressive that um, this film was directed by the Daniels. uh, Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinert. um, Who, prior to this, had made a film called... Swiss was Army Man. And they're probably also really well known for um, the music video for Turn Down for What? From, like, 2013 or something like that. Um, And this film is very much, like, their style. This movie... Is a lot. There's a lot going on. Like within the first five seconds, you they're literally like, ga- like foot slammed down on the pedal. We're going." Like we are immediately introduced to Evelyn Wayman, um, uh, Joy, Joy. Uh, Gong Gong, uh, uh, Becky, uh, <laughs> Jenny Slate. Like we're we're immediately introduced to all these different characters. Yeah. Uh, and the way that we are introduced to them, like we learn so much more, so much about them just through the interaction with one another, their dynamics, the way that they talk to one another. Um, And it's very interesting because as the film goes along, like the movie just does not stop. There's just so much shit happening from beginning to end. And it it does such a great job at making something so big and so unwieldy unwieldy, um, as the multiverse, because this is a multiverse movie, um, turning it into something that is so personal and accessible and something that is so emotionally resonant. Um, I think you brought up like the the being the worst version of yourself and thus having the most potential, um, as like a glass half empty, glass half full kind of ideology. But I just love the way that um, that Joy or Jobu Topaki, the way that her character is rendered and the way that she has this nihilism. I just love how the film really takes the time to explore um having this sense of nihilism about life about everything and then kind of tw- turning on its head and turning into something more positive and something more different and in a sense again like i said this movie should not work because this is also a movie this is a movie that ultimately concludes with um characters learning to understand one another because a lot, a large portion of this movie is about miscommunication and it's about characters um, understanding like what they want, who they are and being happy with what they have in life. But it's also a film where uh, we watch people uh, slap hot dog fingers on their thighs and, we watch
1: and shove it into yeah, each other's and we mouths watch, and have ketchup and ugh, each it's other's so faces. gross
0: but then we also see there's a movie this is a movie that makes that as like a ratatouille riff uh in racacuni this is a movie <laughs> where we watch two rocks have a conversation with one another
1: about the existentialism yeah. of life and feeling and having basically a nihilistic that
0: conversation that every new <laughs> discovery makes us feel like smaller pieces of shit <laughs> like it, it's it's wild, yeah. but somehow The Daniels um, As well as all the actors Like Michelle Yeoh ma- ma- Made me want to do laundry uh, <laughs> I, uh, I, I would have been <laughs> happy Doing laundry and taxes with you Amazing And I'm like, happy. the fact that The Daniels, Michelle Yeoh Jamie Lee Curtis, Huy Kwan, Stephanie Hsu um, James Hong uh, Jenny Slate <laughs> The fact that everyone in this film Was so game uh, and the fact that this movie is a small film, I think it was only made with like a twenty million dollar budget. They were able to make something yeah, so. I think grand. this was twenty five. This, yes, this is twenty five million. Twenty five million one. I got it confused with no, but they made it so, something that's so grand and so emotionally resonant and. I, I just love that. And just like, even if it wasn't, because going into this movie, I just thought it was going to be like a fun action movie. I was not expecting this existential, this movie about existential dread, generational trauma, like, but it, it just all comes together so well and it works so well and it's just so good. Yeah. Um,
1: even like, um, even the little things like costume yep. design and makeup, like, That's stuff I don't usually care about or, like, even would recognize. But, like, the fact that, like, they went all out with Stephanie, uh, Sue's character with Joy, um, being basically, uh, an omnipotent being, um, and conjuring these ridiculous outfits, uh, it's just... Wow. It's just stunning to look at. Like, this is such a visually appealing movie to watch at every single frame. Um, there was, like, even one scene where it's, like, um, basically it's a stop motion, the way they had to do it, um, but it's, like, um, Evelyn sitting in a, in a spinny chair as she, she's in the um, the IRS building, and she basically gets sucked into a closet, and it's, like, just the way that they... It's, like, a zoom out, and like, panning effect, and it's, ah, uh, it was just... Everything just captures your attention... Um, the way that they creatively think of new ways for them to verse jump, basically, um, that's like their way of um, acquiring abilities from their mo- uh, multiversal counterparts um, into the current universe that they're in. It's, yeah, it's oh movie. I can't, I can't get enough yeah. of it. I know I've only seen it twice compared <laughs> to your eight or nine times. Why
0: do you expose me like
1: that? <laughs> the- <laughs> Hey no, I I wish I I wish I had that uh, the same drive to watch it as many times. I definitely want to. I just don't. <laughs> I just haven't. I want to. I want to share everyone this movie. And um, there's so many people that love this movies to a absurd degree that they that I've heard that they're just like, yeah, I'm using this as like a litmus test now. Where it's like, if they don't like this movie, then yep. we have problems. <laughs> and I'm just like, I wouldn't do that. But fair, I understand <laughs> because this movie just like. There's, I don't see how a person could dislike this movie. Even if it's, like, not your cup of tea, there's something in this movie for you. And you will... There's something, like, thematically that you're going to relate yeah. to.
0: And, like, I, as far as, like, people not liking the movie, the only... The major flaw that I've heard from most people, as far as their feelings about the film overall, it has to do with that fast-paced nature of it. Um, because I am not exaggerating when I say this movie is super fast. Like, things are happening like so quickly, and in a way, the reason for that is because you're basically put into the into the head of specifically uh, Michelle Yeoh's character Evelyn, um, where like she's moving at like a mile a minute. She is like, oh, we need to taxes, but also laundry, but also um, gong gong, but then also this, but then also that. Like she's moving around so quickly, and uh, uh, but to reflect, to reflect exactly. her character, and so like those things. I I have heard people saying, like, those things basically caused them to kind of disconnect from it. Because they didn't really get time to, like, really breathe in in the film. But I I kind of liked that fast-paced nature of it. Oh, Because as it goes along, I I kind of broke this movie up into two parts, uh, as it does itself. Um, The movie opens with, um, or not opens with, but rather, uh, it has three chapters, uh, if you you will. Um, Part one being uh, everything, part two being everywhere, and part three being all at once. And part one, everything, feels like the part of the film that is the most exposition. Um almost all the dialogue that is shared in this part of the film is exposition. We learn about the characters, we learn about the motivations, we learn about the threat that's going on with Jobu Topaki. We understand more about like what is actually going on in terms of like why is Ev- why is Evelyn's husband changing every five seconds? Why is um uh why is like the IRS agents acting weird. Like, why are the, all these things going down like this? Um, and all of that is explained in the first part. And then when we get to part two, uh, Everywhere. That's the part where we really start to explore well, what does it really mean to be a part of the grander multiverse? What does it mean? Because essentially, Jobu Topaki, uh, her character, her whole thing is that she is able to experience every multiverse, every, or every universe, every possibility, every thing all at once at the same time and ultimately the film builds up to Evelyn learning how to essentially harness that same ability Um, but through this crazy for lack of a way of putting it premise it becomes about what the universe means and ultimately like because in a sense nothing matters because of the way the universes operate in, in a sense like The things that make the most sense to you matter and i think Mm -hmm. that that is something that i don't think any film would ever even think to come up with uh we just talked we talked about multiverse of madness also and multiverse of madness does not even come close to the shit this movie does and somehow still manages to make make emotionally resonant This is a movie where Evelyn learns how to fight with just her pinkies. She hits people with her pinkies, and there's a sonic boom. And yet, (laughs) uh, but like using using that
1: kung fu panda move.
0: (laughs) Yep, (laughs) like we we watch as the way that all these different multiverses operate. We watch how every world is different, but yet how every possibility ultimately like changes everything across the entire multiverse but it but in doctor strange like we just see oh red means go
1: or this is this is the universe where everyone's paying like it doesn't this it, is it's a yeah. film
0: that ultimately marketed itself on this is a movie the multiverse of madness and yet we got nothing in comparison to what everything everywhere we, did, we
1: we stay we stay in we stay in one uh, universe. Pretty much. Well, two two universes. They focus on the main universe, and then they focus on this yeah. other one where Wanda has kids. Which is like there's other universes where your kids around, are around. Yeah, there. But, but regardless, this movie
0: really goes for it. It goes for the weirdness of. The multiverse, sausage <laughs> fingers, <laughs> where the
1: the ape, the apes with the sausage fingers killed the apes with yeah. the regular hands, and they, they and we thrived. got two thousand one
0: <laughs> reference where we watch them murder <laughs> the the other tribe of, of of human, I guess regular regular yeah. hand, and it's the movie really goes there with everything, but it also ultimately just gets into the emotion, the emotions of it all. I think one thing I love so much about the film is that there is a, um, ultimately the movie bounces back and forth between two main universes. One universe is the um, is basically what's happening plot-wise. Uh, Jobu Topaki, there's like fighting, people are trying to kill Evelyn or stop Evelyn from doing X, Y, Z. But then there's another universe in which Evelyn uh, goes home with her husband and her daughter and she is ultimately trying to have a party at the laundromat that they own. Um, and it bounces mainly between those two universes while also sprinkling in all these other universes that are going where all this stuff is going on. Um, mm-hmm, what we watch mm-hmm. is Evelyn ultimately because of understanding what's going on in each universe, how she ultimately changes and has like her character arc. Um, one big arc that I love so much is that uh, her husband, Wayman, played by Kao uh she sees him as being, like, almost too nice for his own good. Uh, one thing that she says is, like, is, um, oh, the tax lady, played by Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, she put she puts a lien on our property. And what does your dad do? Uh, he, get, he takes her cookies. He, he, Wayman gives her cookies. <laughs> and she's, like, and she basically is, like, he's, like, a dumbass. Like, he doesn't get it. Um, but ultimately, his kindness is what fixes everything. And through that, she learns not only to how to ultimately fight this battle between her and Joby or her own daughter, but also learns learns to understand that Wayman is not the person that she thinks he is, that she doesn't give him enough credit, and that ultimately she learns to appreciate him for who he is. And I think that that is something that is amazing to be putting in a film like this. Um. So, yeah, do uh, you have anything else to add? I, I think I, I think I I just love this movie. that's <laughs> basically what it comes down.
1: to I, no i I love this movie too that's it's my favorite movie of all time yep. uh, I've never left a movie theater feeling so much joy um, and like not fulfillment, but like that's how joyous I felt was that sense of like I'm like is that it's like after eating like a very good meal. Like, and you just feel full. That's what I felt when I watched this movie. I was just like, I'm, I'm content, but I'm also super happy and I want other people to enjoy the experience I just had. So just like that, I want to share it. I want (laughs) to, like a restaurant, be like, Hey, have you been to this? Have you been to this restaurant? You ever had this food? Be like, you gotta go watch uh, everything, everywhere. And there's so months. many other
0: things we didn't even get a chance to talk about. We didn't talk about like the bagel, which um, is kind of like the main, the main threat in the film. That's like, like, the main the, thing. like the fact this is a movie where everything bagel is what is the main threat. Like mm-hmm. this is a movie where literally Jobu dances somebody to death. <laughs> like she danced yes. somebody <laughs> to death. She she turned somebody into confetti. Like.
1: Where, where someone's way of first jumping was to shove a giant trophy up oh, the butt that resembled a butt plug. The fact
0: that like, oh god. The fact that a woman uses her dog as a hammer, <laughs> as like as like a giant like a ball on a chain. As, as, and, as like nunchu- uses her nunchucks, nunchucks, yeah. A ball on a yeah, ball a
1: chain. Yeah. Like
0: this movie is crazy, but it's so good. And when the Oscars come around, I really do hope this is not one that's overlooked. I. I get that it's weird, and it's not the type of thing that Oscar would go for, especially considering the demographics, but it's just, it's so good, and it's so universally praised that I'm really hoping that it gets there, and I think that, if anything, I think Michelle Yeoh, um, well, realistically, Michelle Yeoh, Kay Lee Kwan, and Stephanie Hsu give them nominations immediately. I swear to God, if any one of them is left out, I'm going to be so upset, because all three of them give not just great performances, but like masterclass performances. In a movie that is so full of ridiculousness, they anchor this movie so well. And I think Michelle Yeoh's performance is so reactionary. She basically is forced to respond to all the shit that's going on in front of her, but she does it so well. And it gets to the point where she, you really feel like everything that's happening is like legit. Like you feel the weight of what's happening. Stephanie Sue's character, Joy, she is immaculate in, a th- in this movie and i love specifically the the ending towards the end when we actually get the, the final confrontation between um, evelyn and joy she is amazing and like she has like this 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 presence this attitude about her the way that she says that she says things is hilarious like she's like um she she says like i don't really think you understand what that word means and the way she says it is <laughs> just so full of just like Attitude, like she is, she's killing it. And Koi Kwan, for someone who hasn't been in a movie in so long, he is so good in this movie. Playing, he's so great at like, he ultimately made you believe that he was like three or four different characters, and he oh, pulled yeah. it off effortlessly. Like whenever he was Alpha Wayman, when he changed from Wayman to Alpha Wayman, it was seamless. When he uh, was the Wayman in like the uh, the the Wonkar Y esque. Universe where Michelle Yeoh is Michelle Yeoh. Um, that was <laughs> so good in that, ce- in that scene. And like, uh, I don't know. The three of them just give them all the awards. Give everyone the awards: best film editing, best direction, best screenplay, all of it. Like it deserves everything. Costume design, like it deserves it.
1: Yep, all of it.
0: So yeah. yeah. So yeah, this was this was a longer episode than usual, but there was a lot of movies that we saw, a lot of things to talk about. Um, but yeah, if there's one takeaway from this, from this whole thing, uh, you heard all the recommendations, but if anything, watch everything, everywhere, all at once, immediately. Like, I don't care if you have to buy it, it. like watch it now, immediately now. And if you are, and if you just so happen to be an Academy member, who's listening to this first off, share Because we would love for that. We would love for that, uh, for that clout, but also... Um <laughs> vote for the movie, it! Uh okay, so so thanks for listening, guys.
1: <laughs> yeah, thanks for listening. Uh you have been you've li- you've listened to this episode of the Brandon Darrell uh experience with uh me, one of your hosts, Brandon and I'm
0: Daryl. And uh we will be uh uh again, keep up with that bi weekly schedule. So next time we're gonna be talking about body image it's it's gonna be a very interesting topic um, but uh, we're gonna get more detailed in there but it's, a lot of it is gonna be about media about uh, the way in which body image like plays a role in our culture and our society and uh, yeah and of course uh, you can find us on all the social medias you can find us anywhere you listen to your podcasts uh, including YouTube um, and you can follow us on all the social medias at the BDE pod um and yeah
1: yeah and then in- until next time we'll see yep. you then goodbye goodbye